1: Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight, AJC Radio continues our continued series on the corruption of the system. You know, back when I was a little boy, it was called the criminal justice system. Justice has been eliminated, and corruption has taken its course. Hang on to your speech, ladies and gentlemen. AJC Radio kicks off. Right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Samson Riddle, William Williams, Clint Stewart, and the entire AJC radio team tonight. As we get ready again to start part two of our series uh, dealing with the system uh, and not on the system across the United States of America that has gone really off its course, but right here in Colorado in El Paso County, uh, along with the district attorney's office, the CSPD, uh, Detective Brian Carrado, and some other key players we're going to talk about tonight, Judge Aaron Sokol. Uh, we have a lot to discuss, but again, we had, last week was an opportunity to lay really the the uh, the foundation, if you will, for where we 're going to be going and what we 're going to be dealing with as we continue to expose the corruption and there 's no other word you can use for it uh, and the abuse of power by c s p d we 're going to get into all of that tonight, David, really quickly uh, give us a little bit of a recap uh of uh, prior to us going to break and coming back of where we're going as far as last week, and where, where, where do we go from here?
2: Well, typically, uh, <clears throat> uh, what we discussed last week was: uh, first of all, anybody can find themselves on, on the end of this uh, <clears throat> a corrupt system. Um, it's not very hard for anybody to comprehend <clears throat> if you go protect your property. <clears throat> Yep. It only takes uh, one bad apple, one bad cop to really screw your life over. The sad thing about the system is everybody comes to defense of bad police officers, bad judges, and bad prosecutors. And In this particular case, some some couple of church parishioners, two church parishioners, went over to retrieve some church property from a corporate apartment uh, from some people who had left the church. They were staying... Uh, being subsidized in a corporate apartment to give them a a better life,
1: which are Nicholas and
2: Arnisha Gaynor. Nicholas and Arnisha Gaynor. Yeah. And they really, they left the church and didn't want to leave the church's property.
1: And did not want to abide under church Under church rules. Which every institution, it doesn't matter whether it's religious, corporate, whatever it is, there are rules and guidelines that people... Have to adhere to.
2: What well, you understand something if you're working for, say, a company like Microsoft and they have you stand in their corporate department, if you quit their company, you're not going to continue to stay in their corporate department, period. For some strange reason, the gainers felt like, well, they're entitled to to continue to live uh, in the church's property. A uh, few guys got together uh, to move it, to, to, move, to the just, just move the property out of there. If you're not right. going to stay, we can't, uh, the church couldn't do actually do an eviction not without the proper timing and doing things under the law, but they could still go and retrieve their property. And if you want to stay in an empty apartment, uh, that's on you until until formal eviction procedures went over. But they decided that they were going to pull a gun. They pulled a gun on, on the church parishioners who went there to, to retrieve their property. Church parishioners called the police. And a corrupt cop who obviously has had an axe to grind with the church With black people, I don't know which one it is, black people from the church uh, decided that he was going to charge church members for calling the police while black, while they were over there trying to collect their property. So, in essence, uh, they called the police after Mr. Gainer pulled a gun, and weeks later, the cop said, well, he doesn't like the church. The, The prosecutor said something has to be done about the church. All the church does is kindness in the community. So he decides to uh, frivolously charge church members. Uh, find shop ADA uh, from the El Paso County District Attorney's Office that was going to work with them to try to bring down these particular
1: men. Okay, and we're going to David, and we're going to we're going to get back to all of that as we get going into this discussion. Um, one key note uh, that needs to be noted here. Um, the gentleman at the property called law enforcement. They called law enforcement. The parishioners. The parishioners who said, let's do the right thing and call the police. Call the police asking for help. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the motive of the gainers. That's important. And the motive that was really enabled by Detective Corrado, who really groomed and coerced. And softened and made it easy for the gainers to steal the property. Folks, this journey started last week. The foundation was laid. This week, we began to build upon that foundation. Corruption in our system. Uh, I don't want to say our system. In the system. Because there's nothing that you could, there's nothing going on in this system uh, that is just. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
3: Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a Just Cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a Just Cause at 855 855- 529 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
4: The United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the US began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders. 30% were property violators, such as thieves or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. 10 years later, the drug war had grown and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus, it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post-1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely, there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America.
9: How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in the nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors.
10: Police officer who shot and killed a man. When I
11: first saw the Oscar grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged.
10: As soon as
8: I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It
6: was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland.
8: It was like such a
4: blatant murder. You have a city in common. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot
6: perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize
8: the city and it's only going to make it worse for us.
3: They killed our young you can, can protest, protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make
8: sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a
3: way that is about using your
8: voice for justice and making
3: Oakland a safer place for everyone to
12: live and get along
8: as one violence is not not just violence is not
6: justice
3: violence is not justice violence is not justice
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight, as we have again started our journey, if you will, a week ago in regards to the corrupt system that was once called the criminal justice system in this country. Uh, We have found through experience, not simply through a newspaper article, though they carry their own merit, through a television production news story though they carry their own merit. The sadness of this situation, and why AJC Radio is in a position to have to speak to these issues, is because it is actually a nightmare that we have lived. Uh, And there's not a person on this panel tonight that has not experienced the injustice, uh, whether directly or indirectly, through friends and family that have suffered uh, at the hand of this system. Uh, right before the break, we were laying out what our intentions are tonight on this show, uh, dealing with the, the corruption of, the, of Detective Carado, uh the corruption and the really misguided attitude, if you will, by Judge Aaron Sokol here in El Paso County. Uh, the prosecution, the District Attorney's Office, uh, at one point uh, were simply... Uh, focused on on getting a win under their belt, not looking for the story or the truth of the right situation, but simply to uh, do what they have done. Dave, um, very informative last week on the show, uh, laying out this foundation, uh, very emotional uh, as well. Uh, How important is it that we continue down this path, no matter how long it takes uh, to get this story and get the truth
10: out? This topic that we're discussing is extremely important because people need to understand that they may be living their lives, they're not doing wrong, they're following uh, the rules, and they can still be caught up in the system. It's so easy in our system today. I mean, you heard years ago that you heard um, the head of the Russian police where they said, show me the person, I'll show you the crime. And that's so true today in the United States, where they can bring somebody in and you can be caught up in the system and never get out and never committed a crime.
7: Absolutely right. Samson, your thoughts? Well, I mean, if if people just take time to actually educate themselves and, you know, take a look around our society at the degradation that's been going on for years now, and then, you know, actually get some literature and form your own opinion, you know, I mean, there's books out there like the, the, you know I, I think uh david brought it up last week about the tyranny of good intentions you know how it talks about how legislators you know lawyers and all these they're weaponizing the the justice system and basically completely destroying you know people's constitutional and, and civil rights you know and it, and again like you said last week you can indict a ham sandwich you you find somebody you can put a charge on them, and it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're innocent or not, as we, as we've all personally experienced in one way, shape, form, or fashion. Doesn't matter if you're innocent or not. They're going to find something. They want to put you away. They're going to find a way to do it. Well, look. The bottom line is
1: we said before on this show, the presumption of innocence, which is every person is entitled, quote unquote, under the law, that. You are not guilty until proven beyond a reasonable doubt. That is an absolute that belongs in the comic section of the Daily newspaper. That's a joke. From the time you step in and these men, and remember these names, I told you this last week, Willie P., William Williams, Matthew Brown, and Eric Jenkins. That's a joke. Presumption of innocence? I shared with you before, during my wrongful conviction that I experienced, that I stepped in a courtroom with 60 people who were possible jurors in my case. And my attorney posed the question to each of them. And he said, how many of you believe that my client is guilty because he sits at the defendant's table? Every single hand was raised. And he said to the jurors, he said, do you understand how uncomfortable my client must feel right now? You haven't heard one shred of evidence. You haven't heard anything that would be remotely true that would show the guilt of of Mr. Banks. Well, in this case, with Willie P., William Williams, Matthew Brown, and Eric Jenkins, the entire process started with the presumption of guilt the fact that the district attorney was taken over information to report the crime of grand larceny, theft of over $20,000 of church property, this is not a hearsay. I filed the complaint. The Internal Affairs Division sent me a letter, and it was noted in the letter stating, That the file was, the complaint was sent over to the district attorney's office to bring charges. And the district attorney at that time made the statement, we're not even going to open the file. So if I go into the district attorney's office and say, hey, somebody got murdered last night. Here's the file. Here's the complaint. She has the power to say, I'm not even going to look at it. Then it goes back to what we talked about before, which is discretion. We're going to get into that and the discretion that was used in this case, an abuse of discretion, not allowing this in, not, not bringing charges up against the gainers. The only reason this process happened is because the credibility of the key witnesses against, our, against the guys, the gentleman that I just named. Their case would have been compromised because a jury would have been allowed to hear of a pending theft case, and I'm telling you the evidence was overwhelming that they stole that they stole the property. Well,
2: I I gotta for a moment. Let me just chime in. You got to revisit what you just said. Mm -hmm. Sixty potential jurors were asked if a defendant, if they thought the defendant. Was guilty by virtue of him sitting in the chair as a defendant, and all sixty jurors raised their hand. Now we we have this system that says that I don't think people understand just the 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 gravity of that. that. You're going into trial, and almost every juror already thinks you're guilty, but they continue to play this situation up. So, did the guys even have a chance? With the jury. But they'll say, well, the jury of your peers found that they were guilty. And they use that all the time to say the system is working. Average people fo- average people found you guilty before a shred of evidence was presented.
1: And not one testimony has been given in the
13: case. Yeah, plus they throw that. That's the problem. They don't understand how flimsy this system is. You're, you're basically sitting there with the opinions of people. And then once they – if they get a conviction, they hold that over your head. Well, we don't want to offend the jury. We don't want to uh, say the jury was wrong. Well, the thing is my life is on the line, and you're letting people come in with their opinion. They have no – a juror does not have a legal expertise. He doesn't know the law. They're getting there to make a judgment based off how they feel about you, their own personal biases. If I can – if there's just a stronger personality in that juror room, then I'm just – I don't flag argument, when I'm going to agree. That's the stuff that takes people's lives away. Well, I think to David's point, and he
1: raises a good point, they came into the courtroom wrong. It was wrong when they went through the door because they had already formed a conclusion. That should tell you about this system. A conclusion was formed that Mr. Banks is guilty then you might as well shut the courtroom down turn the lights off and go on but they didn't do that the judge ended up speaking to each juror and and this is when we came back for the new trial but the first which sent me to prison wrongfully for seven years said, yeah, he's guilty of something. He wouldn't be here. That is a problem and is a major one. So at the end of the day, you're looking at a system that I'm supposed to go in there and believe in my peers to find me not guilty. They already already decided. They already decided I was guilty. So by the time I went through Two weeks of a trial, their minds were fixed. He is guilty. I don't care how many questions you ask that jury. Once the conviction is in their mind, you're not going to change it. And that's
2: the power of the indictment.
1: There you go. There you go. Clint. Yeah. uh,
0: You know, I never forget uh, going through the course of our situation, you know, the lessons that we learned in one of those. Is the responsibilities of the judge and the prosecutor. Now, this individual is an officer of the court. He's supposed to. He's charged with part of his responsibility: discovery of the truth. Okay. Who, so who is this? This is this is the uh, the
1: prosecutor. Sounds like lock or Law and Order. Let's right, go right, ahead.
0: exactly. But but this is a part of their job description. Yeah. In the court now. We have this situation. You believe these these men are this this man or this, these individuals because they sit in this table are already guilty. To give instructions is part of your responsibility of what this legal process is about. Okay, this is how this works, right? To be fair on both sides, I don't want you just you should be saying I don't want you just to come back with a a a verdict because we put it on. But he won't say that, right? He will take advantage of this cultural bias. And this cultural bias is way old, hundreds of years old in America, right? For discrimination for whatever reason uh, um, uh, against various groups of individuals, okay? But he takes advantage of, the judge takes advantage of the culture. You know, this is why people seek change of venues, so on and so forth, because the culture says, you're already guilty, right? We don't like your kind here. You're already guilty. We believe you're guilty, and and the defendant is sitting there. I'm not going to get a fair trial. The people are saying, and the judge and the prosecution is saying, so be it. Well, now, they want a process that uh, uh, cranks through the machinery, quote-unquote, of justice, well, right? Here, well, so they're not
1: they're going to they're set that aside. Well, here's the problem. It starts from the handcuffs. Do you understand that? It starts with a, a crooked report. By, by Just look at the chain. The corruption is from the top down, and it's from the bottom up of the process. Right. So somebody makes an accusation. We called, the gentleman called the police to say, this man has a gun. He has two minors in the apartment. We need your help. That would be the proper protocol. But from the time these officers arrived on the scene to address the concerns of parishioners, the corruption started. The bias started then when they refused to pick up the phone and call church uh, church executives. The bias started when they said, we'll turn and look the other way. The bias already started. The train began to leave the station. And it was on a one-way trip to corruption and to a conviction. Had nothing to do with anything else. So when you begin to paint this picture, understand, these men walked into a court of law. You might as well take law out of it. The law didn't count. They walked in their law-abiding citizens. We will reference Willie P., Matthew Brown, Eric Jenkins, and William Williams as law-abiding citizens who walked into a system believing we did nothing wrong here. We simply went to retain property. These men were not armed. They had no weapons. They didn't come with a scene or a disruption. They walked to a door and knocked. Said, we need our property. No breast made? The law-abiding citizens. But the corruption already started. You couldn't stop that train. You go into a courtroom. It is evident. Nick Gaynor is a liar. It is evident. Arnesia Gaynor is a liar. And if you want to talk about child abuse. They coerce their own son. To lie. That's the child abuse I'm talking about justice fairness a referee to ensure equal fairness it does not exist you know Lamont as you're talking you see your point to it starts with the handcuffs and I'm looking at this detective. You're supposed to, a detective's supposed to get both sides of the story. And I look on their website. The mission statement says, this is Brian, uh, Detective Corrado. We believe that we, the police, derive our powers from the people we serve, and we will never tolerate the abuse of our police powers. He was totally abusing the power with these four men. Who, what statement did you just read? This is from the Colorado Springs Police Department. Oh, he didn't even, he, it's all, like you said, this is theater. This so Corrado what, made the statement. No, this is their mission statement. The mission oh, statement. Yes. So again, Brian Corrado is a part of the police department. He doesn't even follow this because everything that they say on their website, he did none of those things. What's a joke? It's a joke. So you tell just like you said, he when, when he went there, he, it was his motive and he wanted to soil to ruin these men's lives because he didn't get We have the receipts. The receipts are there. How can you steal property the roof that Proof is there. They always say, "Got your? uh, We had the receipt. We had the receipt." Well, the system then says we don't want you to put certain things of that receipt into evidence. Why not? Why not? If it's the evidence that is brought in to make and form a conclusion to the process, everything should have been allowed. Here's the paperwork. From the church, the purchase order of property totaling over twenty thousand dollars. Here is the lease. Who's the who is the person on the lease? Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. The church is the, the the corporate department is under the church. You would think in a normal situation when I lay that out to the officers, which was provided. Here's our lease. It's like you're showing up at my house and telling me, oh, I can't be there. Pardon me. Here's the lease. Here's my key. And you say, well, you have no right there. Here's my name on the lease. Here's the name on the lease. And not only on the lease, as the officer of the church. These, as we said last week, are the facts. And when you when you just spell a little bit of what we spelled out tonight, it's clear. No one would convict. The question is, what was told to these jurors? We're going to get into that down the road here. Hell no, we don't mess with jurors. Judge Arguello made a statement. See, the, the protocol is that you tell the jurors at the end of a trial and a, and, a, and a verdict, you can talk to anybody you want to talk to. You're free, your responsibility to the court has been released. Talk to anybody you want. But then, now that's, that's for the public eye. Thank you so much as they stand in their black robes and looks at the juror and says, we appreciate your service to our country and to our system of diplomacy. But then you shut the door, and you go to a back conference room where jurors are, and you tell them, if anyone contacts you, contact us, we will contact the FBI. That's not what you just said on the record. This is the system. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen? the seriousness of what I'm saying and what we're having this discussion about right now. It's all smoke and mirrors. You might as well be at the local magic show in Vegas. It's a joke. That's why people die for this injustice. People hurt, they suffer for this injustice. These four men, have suffered as a result of this injustice. Behoove you to listen to this show. Tell your friends to call in. Because you know what? This isn't being told to the public. They just get a quick news snippet, oh, so-and-so happened in court today. They were found guilty or not guilty. But the corruption all the way to the point where Judge Aaron Sokol had to recuse herself from any further proceedings in this case. Why is that? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be joining us is going to be Ashley Brown. She'll be joining us to tell her story of what her husband, one of the gentlemen I named earlier, Matthew Brown, and what what they have gone through as a family, as a result of the system that has gone awry. Feel free to dial in, folks, 646 628 We'd love to hear from you. 646 628 what are your thoughts about this system? These four men are four of many that have suffered at the hand of injustice. Where do we go from here? We continue to expose this is corruption. This is you Radio. We'll be right back.
14: Here are fifty white guys. Here are fifty black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to one out of seventeen. Now, here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are one out of three. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear. There's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones who stay in prison and in federal prison. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime.
1: For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with, especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a Just Cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a Just Cause today, 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children As they go to bed at night, and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future.
5: Mass incarceration means that we've got a very high rate of incarceration historically, comparatively. And the other thing is the rate of incarceration is so high, so socially concentrated, we're no longer incarcerating the individual, but we're incarcerating whole social groups. The rate of incarceration now is about five times higher than it was historically. Historically, it was 100 per 100,000. Now it's about 500 per 100,000 if we look at prison. If we add jail to that, about 700 per 100,000. Nowhere in the world incarcerates as much as we do. We've seen extremely high rates of exposure to the criminal justice system for African-American men with very low levels of schooling. So if we think about black men who were born in the late 1970s and who are growing up through the American prison boom of the 1980s and the 1990s, the chances that they're going to serve time In state or federal prison, if they dropped out of high school, is about 70%. So going to prison for that group of black men with very low levels of schooling, that's become a normal life event. That's really only happened in the last 10 years. We're at this point now where there's about 1.2 million African-American children with a parent who's incarcerated. That's about one in nine. The research shows... The kids who experience parental incarceration have diminished school achievement. They have behavioural problems, depressive symptoms, acting out. And there's also evidence that these kinds of negative effects associated with parental incarceration are concentrated more among boys than among girls. And there's a very real risk here that incarceration becomes an inherited trait. The underlying issue is we've chosen prison as a way to respond to To that problem of crime. And there are a whole variety of ways that we could have chosen to respond to that problem of crime. We've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty, and we've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty for a historically aggrieved group whose liberty in the United States was never firmly established to begin with.
3: He's coined a new term for the times we're living in.
10: Race for it, parents of America.
3: Alternative facts. Alternative facts. What? Wow. Oh, what? Alternative, Alternative facts. facts? Lies, myths, also known as stereotypes or false narratives. It's like saying black history began with slavery. That's offensive. Or that we'll never see another black president in our lifetime. What about me? It's Black History Month, we're focusing on the facts, not on facts. Indisputable truth, real. Black girl magic is real. Black boy joy is real. Black wealth is real. Black beauty is real. Black support is real. Black excellence is real. It's real. Black love, that's real. Black lives are real. I'm real black history didn't begin with slavery and it doesn't end with the obamas whom we love and miss no like really we really miss you
15: facts
1: back ladies and gentlemen to AJC radio tonight as we have again embarked upon a journey that is ugly at best uh, about a criminal and I use this word lightly justice system we call it now the system that has really taken over this country in a way that has become very dangerous uh, very toxic uh, and no matter who you are uh, if someone, if not yourself, or you know someone who has been touched by the criminal justice system uh, in a very negative way, uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, those numbers are not there simply by chance. Those numbers are there because the reality is we have a system that is broken, and it goes beyond broken. It is completely uh torn down, if you will. It's, it's imploded. Uh, and we have an opportunity and a responsibility to speak to uh, these injustices. And again, it's not based upon hearsay or, uh, well, we just heard this or heard that. No, we have lived it. Uh, and we continue to live it in this country everywhere. Uh, and we'll get into some of that other stuff later. People sit in prison. I think the guy just got out after 44 years uh, wrongfully convicted. That's a quick, that's a quick bleep snippet. That's all it is. And they move on to the next story. But nobody's talking about the 44 years. 44 years he lost. Um, it's uncomprehendable. It's un- it's un- We're going to get into some of those examples uh, in the next two weeks. Uh, and not next week, but the following week when we come back live on the air. Uh, I believe we have a caller in queue. All right, Carla, go Hi. ahead. Carla, are you there?
12: Yes, this is Gwendolyn Lawson. I'm the attorney um, that is on the that was on the case for Eric Jenkins, Willie P. William Williams, and Matthew Brown. And I want to thank you for taking my call Lamont. Um yes, I just no, you...
1: do... Yeah, go ahead.
12: I just I just wanted to um comment right now on the information that you provided so far. Where um, there was an injustice taking place against these gentlemen, um, they went to um, retrieve corporate furniture from the corporate apartment, and that's all in the record. And it seems, as you stated, even in your case, where the jurors had already felt that uh, the gentlemen were uh, must have done something wrong for them to be sitting at the table because. Uh, There's no way with the information that is in the record that that there should have been a conviction um, of the charges that they were charged against for burglary when they – it's stated fully in the record their intent was just to go pick up corporate furniture. And I do want to – did want to state on Judge Sokol, Aaron Sokol in El Paso County, um, on October the 6th, um, 2021, when we had a pre-trial readiness conference, this is in the record, um, we were standing there and uh, the gentleman appeared by phone, I was in person, and we had acknowledged to the judge that the gentleman wanted to go forward with trial, um, that they were innocent. And to me, at that point, she was acting as a prosecutor. Um, she kept stating, making the statement, well, this is a good deal. This is a good deal, but it's not a good deal if you're innocent. Um, to take some type of plea agreement from the prosecution, if you're innocent. you question. Huh?
1: Let me ask you a question. The judge made the statement on the record that the deal presented by the prosecution was a good deal. Is that correct? That's correct. Which is completely right. out of order.
12: Right. It's completely. It's not even her capacity to be um, to be making that statement. And it was reported. I did um, acknowledge that before her, before her, before the court. And, you know, it it's, it's, it, it, that was a statement to me, showing right there that, I mean, the jury wasn't present at that point in time, but that was a statement right there to me that the court was already presuming um, that they were guilty of something that they didn't do.
1: Exactly. Well, on top of that, whether the jury is present or not, the, Prestige of the office of the judge to make a recommendation, to make a and to opine on any type of, of on any type of opinion, to opine mm-hmm. on a deal or a, a a opportunity to plead or not plead is out of order. You can't do exactly. that as a judge. You can't do I totally
12: agree.
1: it. Because mm-hmm. it's pressure now to the defendants. Well, the judge said this was a good thing. Yeah. You see whether, as we said earlier, that corruption goes all the way up the chain. Well and, and ahead, not David. just
12: not just I'm sorry, and not just that. Um under the code of judicial conduct one point two, the a judge is supposed to be impartial. Um making that statement is is not showing that she's impartial, it's showing that she has a bias of some sort. Which which we did address that because she was biased and prejudiced against us, which I'm African American and all four of the defendants were African American males, and that would that's a record of the court as well.
2: Well, and I think it's I don't think you can understate, overstate rather, a judge telling defendants what's a good deal with this predisposition. If you guys are guilty, you might as well take this good deal. I think yeah. you're guilty. I think you're guilty based on that fact. No evidence has been presented. But me, a sitting judge who, who, who's overseeing the trial, I believe you're guilty. Therefore, I'm telling you this is a good deal. Now, how does anybody possibly think that that judge, as you said, uh, uh, Miss Lawson, is going to be impartial and that there's any possibility that these men will get a fair trial it's 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 the epitome of uh, it's the epitome of injustice and the epitome of corruption And, and and it shows you finally it shows you how crony the system is and that the deck is stacked against you it's rigged against you because not only is the prosecutor against you they proved that the police officers would get uh, against you. Now the judge is against you. So everybody mm-hmm. circled the wagons together that, that they built this uh, cabal, if you will, to convict and imprison these men at any cost.
1: Well, and here's a problem, guys. Um, one of our researchers uh, came up with some information. David, you talked earlier, somebody mentioned Microsoft, that if Microsoft's Uh, Dave was that you that if if Microsoft if that was been a corporate office by Microsoft the police would have accompanied executives from Microsoft and got and got them out of that out of that property right uh Miss Wright you had some experience in this type of thing tell the folks what you what you know
16: yeah I worked for a company that was uh an international company we had corporate housing all over the world not just here in Colorado but all over the United States, like I said, foreign countries. We'd have people come for relocation, people come for, maybe they came from Asia and they're gonna be here three months. And I was in HR. Um, We, as a company, signed the lease. And I remember multiple times where we had individuals who were relocating that we fired in the process. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even notify the apartment complex. I went in, told them they had whatever it was. Sometimes it was hours, sometimes it was days to vacate the apartment. Uh, and the apartment didn't have a list of Billy Bob is living here, Sarah is living here. It's corporate. We, we kept track of that. It's our apartment. We signed a lease for sometimes mm-hmm. they were two years. We had people all over. People When the Waldo Canyon fire happened, we we let some of our employees stay there. So we did whatever we wanted because we were paying the bill. It was our apartment. So.
1: So you're telling me <laughs> that the protocol is exactly what, Colorado Springs Fellowship, followed. That is protocol.
16: Correct. And everything in the apartment was ours. So I would tell them, you came in with your toothbrush and your suitcase, you leave with your toothbrush. And I would actually go over and make sure that they didn't take any of our property because it you, belonged were, to were you, us. Were you, were you charged with the crime? No. Were you arrested? <laughs> no. And that's the, that's the you exact
12: the same jail?
2: situation?
16: No. Go
12: ahead, Gwen. I'm sorry. That is the exact same situation here. Even the uh, Veronica Wilson, the apartment manager of the um, Champion Apartments, where the um, alleged victims, which were actually criminals, lived, um, she testified that it was a corporate apartment by Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, and there was a corporate um, representative on the on the lease, which was a co-occupant. And she testified that had full access to do anything she wanted to do in that apartment. And she even had a key for access to the apartment that was testified okay, so,
1: on that Okay, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, uh, Miss Lawson. That's okay. Uh So, uh, Miss Wright, you had a key to the corporate apartment.
16: Correct. And I would go over doing checks to make sure it was cleaned up, all kind of stuff. And I didn't tell the apartment complex anything. I entered my own. So had they well.
1: had they say you walk in, it's trash. Marijuana is being smoked there. The carpet looks like it's mud throughout the whole place. Uh, what what action would you take as the exact, the person who oversaw the corporate department?
16: If the individual was still living there when mm-hmm. this was going on, mm-hmm. they immediately would be evicted. And then I would charge them for all the damage that they did to our furniture and
1: our. Did you have to go to court? No. The corporate department. <laughs> did y'all hear this? Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. this is pretty cool. yeah,
16: and I never talked to the office. I never went to the
1: to the office where the apartment was. That, listen. So then, it is reasonable to believe that when Detective Corrado or these officers that came there once the lease was provided to law enforcement. They should have got back in their cars, asked the gentleman to vacate the apartment, if nothing else, allow these people to go in and retrieve the property of Colorado Springs Fellowship. If you want to stay here, now here's the difference with Colorado Springs Fellowship in this apartment. They bought out the lease. Yeah. The church is no longer liable for any responsibility the Gators didn't pay that. And I'll tell you
16: what's sad is that in corporate America, if you have a lease and things happen like this where we want to close it out, they will let you break a lease and you're, there's no penalty. But here's the
1: difference with Colorado Springs Fellowship. They didn't break the lease. They said, we will buy out. Which yeah. is in every lease for any apartment you rent, I can buy out of the lease. What is the penalty? The church paid the penalty. Out of their pocket, and bought the lease out, and the furniture still disappeared, and the furniture was stolen shortly
13: thereafter. And how do you turn a business as usual process into a crime? I mean, that's just what you consider. This is business as usual. Yes. But in this instance, oh, we want to charge people for burglary.
12: Go yes. ahead, Miss. Or we,
13: their own no. Go ahead, Miss Lawson.
12: I apologize, and that, and I agree with you, Kendrick. Um, you know, it was it was corporate furniture, and everything that the the church was trying to prevent was what actually happened, because they were um, weren't able to retrieve their furniture. The gainers stole the furniture, and this detective that never contacted Carmel Springs Fellowship Church to even um, and be informed inform or inquire about the furniture, about the apartment, or anything. You
1: he know, said, here, here, well, here. sorry, Miss Lawson, but the the reason he didn't. It's not protocol. The corporate apartment.
15: Yes.
1: They should have simply been able to move the furniture. My understanding is that the church actually brought uh, bags for the gainers to put their personal property in since the furniture was no longer going to be there. It was not their responsibility mm-hmm. to do that. The apartment, okay. upon finding out that the furniture had been stolen. uh was left in disarray,
12: Filthy. That's correct. A major part of the burglary charges is intent. And it's all throughout the discovery, the information that the gentlemen were there to retrieve the furniture.
2: That's and, and that not only, seems
12: like it was just totally disregarded.
2: Not only that, Miss Lawson, they were sent there to retrieve the property by an occupant on the lease
12: exactly it, it, even, even
2: more it, it adds even more reinforces the fact of their intent they didn't just these defendants just didn't decide one day let's get together uh run over here and, and take some property out of this guy's house
13: they, they
2: didn't work that there, way. there was nothing even remotely close to this even happened they were asked to go over there at the on the behest of the occupant and the church to retrieve church property.
1: That was it. It just goes yeah. to show That's you correct. you have
2: sadistic keystone cops, a kangaroo court, all come together to just convict somebody for the most ridiculous uh, scenario that, that you can imagine and I'm talking about destroying lives cuz yep. putting a, a felony conviction in the United States is a serious serious issue in this country.
1: We're going to play the we're going to go ahead and play the clip Uh, Ms. Lawson, if you can hang tight with us for a moment. I want our listeners to hear this clip of – I want our listeners to hear this clip uh, regarding the uh, actions uh, taken uh, in a news report that was done here that explains the side which Detective Corrado felt it unnecessary to find out. This report will tell it. Let's play the clip. Colorado Springs is accusing police and the
11: El Paso County District Attorney's Office of racial and religious discrimination.
9: The Colorado Springs Fellowship Church has filed a federal lawsuit claiming authorities didn't properly investigate a $20,000 theft.
11: Chief investigative reporter Chelsea Brinsel is live outside the church on Windchime Place to explain. Chelsea. Martin Lauren,
17: this all started with church members here who say they were trying to help out a family in need. They paid to put up the family in an apartment and then furnished it. And then when the family cut ties with the church, the lawsuit says they took off with the furniture and police failed to properly investigate. A 23-page lawsuit filed in federal court by Colorado Springs Fellowship Church accuses Colorado Springs Police and the El Paso County District Attorney's Office of violating church members' civil and religious rights.
1: It was so outrageous, uh, so without merit, we felt that this was a personal targeted attack against the church and its parishioners.
17: The case centers around what took place at an apartment the church paid for and allowed a struggling family to stay at. The lawsuit says in August, the church learned that the family was in violation of the church apartment lease regarding the possession and use of a firearm to threaten an individual. The church says it advised the family of the violation and gave them 30 days notice to move out, stating that they needed to leave the $20,000 worth of furniture and other church property inside. But when that 30 days was up, the family was still there. Church members went to the property to change the locks, The lawsuit claims the family granted them permission to enter the apartment. But shortly after, they say a tenant brandished a gun and a young boy came out with a baseball bat. Church members say they immediately left and called police. The church vice president says police never contacted them for an interview about what happened. But police quickly turned suspicion to the church members and charged them with several felony crimes, including burglary and stalking related to that day. Eventually, the family living in the church apartment moved out, and the $20,000 worth of church property was gone. The Colorado Springs Fellowship claims police never investigated their report about the alleged theft. According to the lawsuit, the church says defendants racially profiled the plaintiffs and assumed, at least partly because of their race, that they presented an enhanced threat to public safety
1: they looked the other way they did nothing and to this day they have not been arrested they have not been charged that's unequal justice
17: The El Paso County District Attorney's Office declined to comment on this lawsuit, telling 13 investigates that there is an ongoing criminal case against church members. The Colorado Springs Police Department did not respond to our request for comment. Reporting live in Colorado Springs, Chelsea Brentzel, 13
11: investigates.
1: Well, there you have it, a complete report of the position of the church. William, it lays it out as plain as it can lay it out. And it is clear, and we said this last week, uh, criminals don't call the police. That's right. Those that are guilty of a crime do not call law enforcement. So you have the Colorado Springs Police Department that says, call us to serve and protect. But you make the call looking to be protected. And ultimately, you
10: become the victim. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you... Your thoughts. Well, you know, when
7: all this happens... You know, you, the, the police officer, Detective Corrado, called,
13: you know, and
7: and I gave him my,
13: you know, he said, well, Mr. Williams, what
10: happened? You know, what happened? I told him. I said, this is what happened at the at the residence. I explained to him. I said, we were there, the moon furniture,
1: um, and that Nick Gainery came out with the brandishing the gun. At that point, we left. We left. That's it. I mean, it's done. When, I, as I was leaving the parking lot, the police officer's, that pulled up the, the uniform officers pulled up in their cruisers. No lights on, nothing like that. They they met uh met some of the members um, some of the guys down in the parking lot and they explained the story. And we left. That was it. Well here's the question that I have. Is Miss Lawson still on the line? Miss Lawson.
12: Yes Ms. I'm Lawson?
1: here. Okay and, and we're gonna definitely uh invite you to come back on our show Uh, During this series, we need to definitely hear from you as counsel uh, in this case, if that's okay. That invitation is open to you to call
13: over the next several weeks.
1: But but I, I do want to say this, and to William's point, lights were not on, but Mr. Gaynor claimed assault. He claimed to be attacked. And assault is an immediate arrest. That's right. There was no immediate arrest. To William's point, there were no lights on. They didn't have to call for backup because you have these men assaulting an individual in his home. They would have had to call backup. They would have had to go into that apartment. Why did that not happen? And and this, this is the point. It, we it, called it, it, We called the police. Go ahead, Ms. Go. Lawson.
12: No, that did not happen because, as you stated, one of the parishioners called, and it was in the evidence. Um, it was an inquiry into Mr. Gainer several times. Why didn't you call the police? If you had been assaulted, why did you not con- contact the police? And also, he testified, which was totally true because it never took place. Eric Jenkins, Willie P., William Williams, and Matthew Brown never assaulted him. Well, And they, they were never even charged with assault. This is
1: what the police...
12: It... Go I'm ahead, sorry. Ms. Lawson. No, go ahead. The police, the police officers left the scene because they didn't feel like it was that anyone anyone was in any type of grave danger. They they allegedly said that they turned it over to uh, detective. They didn't turn it directly over to Detective Corrado, but they turned it over to the investigation um, unit and it and handed, and landed in the hands of Detective Corrado. Um, but he made something out of nothing. Even with the child abuse charges, the child abuse charges were dropped in each of the men's cases, because there was no child abuse.
1: These are bogus
12: charges that were trumped up against the men to ruin their lives.
1: Well, here is the point that's critical. You left the scene, officers did, uniformed officers, the scene of an alleged assault. That That was the entire foundation of Mr. Gaynor's testimony is that he was attacked. Then the question is, which goes to the credibility of Detective Corrado, if the officers left, not seeing an intimate threat, the common, the protocol is in a call of assault that officers stand by. They stay at the location for a period of time to ensure that those that committed assault do not return, that you're there to protect the family because an assault has happened. They left. Why did they
2: leave? Because no assault took place. Thank you. And if you want to get into just how clownish and ridiculous this guy, Nick Gaynor, let's talk about his testimony at trial. First, he said yeah. he, was, he was assaulted. Well, the cops obviously didn't see that he was assaulted or they would have arrested somebody there on the scene if he said, these guys assaulted me. And finally, he testified in court. That's, that's how big of a clown Nick Gaynor is. Nine guys actually beat him up for 45 minutes. Okay, you uh, injury is the least of your statement. You, you're lucky to be living if nine men. So he was able, in, in court, trying to act like he's a, a superstar tough guy.
1: That he fought
2: off nine men
1: with one arm. With
2: one arm, and 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 he claims he was on disability. This dude is a clown. Well, so that that's what, it, and but yet, in a court of law, Judge Soko saw this. Corrado knew this. The prosecutor knew this. They knew he's obviously lying about. Uh, he's a liar uh, in the most fundamental basis, and they still allowed. Uh, the case to proceed, the prosecution to proceed, and a conviction to attack. Well,
1: on top of that, um, you have an officer on the stand that says there was no forced entry into the apartment, which means someone opened the front door. And according well, to the lock, according to According to the locksmith – I'm coming to you, Ms. Lawson – according to the locksmith, Mr. Gaynor opened the door, allowed 20 minutes to pass as the locksmith changed the lock, and had a conversation with the accused that this was church property. You know the deal. We told you this when you moved in. You decided to leave the church. That's fine. But you're not taking our property. The locksmith testified. How do you come to – if you thought this was your house, I can promise you if someone shows up at my door with a locksmith and begins to change the locks, I'm going to have some questions. Man, what are you doing? The reason Mr. Gaynor couldn't do that, it wasn't his place. That's true. He let the locksmith change the lock, period.
12: And I'm in agreement with that I'm in, ahead, that, I'm in agreement with
1: that.
12: I'm in agreement with that, Lamont, but I also wanted to stress that um, multiple times in uh, Mr. Gainer's testimony, he stated he invited the gentleman in. He said, come in. It was his ignorance that he didn't look on the other side of the door, if he didn't do that, to see who was on the other side of the door. Three times Ooh. at least, he stated, come in. So if I'm hearing come in on the other side of the door, I'm going to come in, and I was, and he was, he invited them in,
1: and they had a peaceful, cordial conversation. Exactly. That's the testimony of the locksmith. It was a cordial, professional conversation until he was told, "You need to leave the premises. We need to get the furniture." They didn't want to surrender the furniture; that was not their property. So as a result of that, um, that's over the top.
12: And I just wanted to add to that, Lamont, about the leave the, leave the premises. They were giving notification that that they needed to leave the the um, apartment. They weren't saying that they were leaving that day. They were letting them know that we're coming to retrieve our furniture and then yes. getting, giving you notice. It is time for you to leave.
1: Absolutely right, and they, at that point, the thirty days had passed. Is that correct?
12: I'm not. I'm not certain on that.
1: Okay, so the thirty days, it, it, according to the news report, they were given thirty days. According to the report in the news, it stated that the uh, thirty days had passed, had expired, but the tenants I know were the, still the, the, there. That's, I'm, just, I'm just quoting what was on the report by, 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 the, okay. by the media. They reported that fact. They said, and when they, went, when the, when they found out that the gainers were still there, they went right. to try to retrieve the property. At that point, these events unfolded. So also they received a letter from counsel, from Colorado right. Springs, Belchior, telling them to not mess with any of the property. It's not your property. It was an itemized list sent to them which they signed for. Right. So it's not that these folks were in, oh my God, somebody showed up at my house on Saturday morning while we're having pancakes. That's not what happened here. Not by any means. That's right.
16: And I was just going to say, if it's a corporate apartment, you don't have to have permission. I remember that in is- my city... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, in my situation, I had some employees that were there, and I got a report from another employee that uh, the apartment was disgusting, and so my boss wanted me to go over there to see because we were going to charge them. Uh, for going to be yeah, for it for the cleaning. And I didn't tell them. I knew that work. And I used my key and I went into the apartment and took pictures. But you had the right to do so. Yeah. I don't have to give permission. I don't have to ask because it's a corporate apartment. We have the keys. You're not on the lease. We're just allowing you to stay there. And as far as one other point I wanted to make in the court, they were saying that, um, did anybody have them sign a document? That's not- It's like going to right. a hotel and saying, "Here's a list. Don't take our sheets. Don't take our soap. Don't take <laughs> our don't take our TV. Don't take our pillows." It's common sense. If it's a corporate apartment, you are staying there. Same for as a hotel. The same hotel. The only difference is you're staying there for a long extended period of time, and it comes with a kitchen, right? Most apartments or hotels do not. So we don't say that. I would, you know, tell them in verbally, you know, everything in here belongs to us. But there's never anything signed because that's common sense. If it's a corporate apartment, it doesn't belong to you. So now you have to ask yourself.
12: And I want to agree with you on that, Mrs. Wright. Um, And that was testified to as well, because Mrs. Veronica Wilson stated on the stand that um, Yolanda Walker, which was the treasurer and representative of Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, she didn't have to give them any
15: notice. Um, They
12: did not have to sign a lease. Uh, they did not have to sign and say what was brought into the corporate department because it didn't belong to them; it belongs to the corporate department. So I just wanted to be well, in agreement with Mrs. Wright that everything that she's stating is protocol and it is true. That's why you know that this case was treated in, with impartiality, I mean, with partiality and bias by the judge and the, the the police department.
1: Well, due process is definitely not over in this. Uh, further action. Uh, We're going to be dealing with that. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Ms. Lawson, I appreciate your call. Um, You're welcome to stay with us in this conversation. We will invite you back from week to week uh, as we continue this discussion. I think you give extreme insight uh, as counsel in this case. And I think, man, what I've heard tonight in an hour and 15 minutes, it is compelling enough to know the injustice that happened we're going to be bringing miss brown back on the other side of the break um she is the wife of matthew brown what they have been through as a result of this injustice Um, ladies and gentlemen tune back in with us we'd like you to give us a call in as well 646-200-0628 646-200-0628 we do understand a lot of a great portion of our audience across the country Uh, They do tune in via internet, uh, but you can feel free to make a phone call if you'd like to join in this conversation. 646-200-0628. The system as it is, and the saying goes, it is what it is. But America has lost her way. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
6: Diversity is a huge part of our society. We need it. It's instrumental,
13: invaluable.
3: If you leave out certain people, you then, in turn, really limit creativity and society's ability to solve problems.
13: That's what we can do in the next four
17: years. Our world is not singular. There are so many voices and experiences that deserve to be heard and expressed.
4: Diversity is really the key to life. Without diversity, life becomes stagnant. It acknowledges and values the importance of everyone, which makes us as a country even better.
8: Martin Luther King, he had a dream. It was for everybody to be united. To Stand up for freedom together. Without diversity, there's no progress. And that's what
18: black history is.
14: Black history.
18: More than a month. Let's just be honest, when we look across the street, to the Supreme Court, and we see equal justice under law. Um, when you have drug laws so severely, disparately enforced against some groups, let's, let's take African Americans, for example, there's no difference between black and white marijuana usage or marijuana sales, in fact, but blacks are about 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for it. <laughs> Um, African Americans are more likely to get uh, mandatory minimums, are more likely about 13 to get 13% longer sentences, and has created these jagged disparities in, in incarceration. In my state, blacks are about 13-14% of the population; they make up over 60% of the prison population. And remember, the overall majority of people we arrest in America are nonviolent offenders. Now you've got this, this disparity in the arrest, but that creates disparities that painfully fall all along the system. When you get arrested uh, for possession with intent to sell, do it in inner city, now you're within a school zone. So now you have to face an even higher mandatory minimum. Now you're 19 years old with a felony conviction, possession, and intent to sell in a school zone. Forget even all that. If you just have a felony conviction for a possession, what do you face now? Thousands of collateral consequences that will dog you for the rest of your life. You can't get a Pell Grant. You can't get business licenses. You can't get a job. You're hungry, can't get food stamps. Uh, You need some place to live. You can't even get public housing. And what that does is created within our country concentrated areas where you have massive levels of men being incarcerated. You create a caste system in which people feel like there's no way out. And we're not doing anything as a society like we know we could do because there's tons of pilot programs that show if you help people when they are coming back from a non-violent offense that their recidivism rates go dramatically down. If you don't help them, what happens is left with limited options, many people make a decision to go back into that world of of narcotics sales. Uh, uh, What's more dangerous to society? Someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of their own home? Or somebody going 30 miles over the speed limit, racing down a road in, in a community? What is more dangerous to society? But yet that teenager who makes a mistake for doing things the last three presidents admitted to doing, now they have a felony conviction because it's more likely they're going to get caught. And for the rest of their life, they're 29, 39, 49, 59, they're still paying for a mistake they made as a teenager. Now, that's not the kind of society uh, that I believe in, nor is it fiscally responsible, nor is undermining their productivity, undermining their ability to take care of their family. This is so wrong that those conversations that I'm having with conservatives as well as uh, Democrats uh, are resonating. And so when you have people like Rand Paul standing up and talking about racial disparities in incarceration, this convergence and understanding uh, of fiscal conservatives, of Christian conservatives, of libertarians, shows me that this is a time of great hope for our country. And so I'm not going to question people's motives. This is one of those issues like the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s, where it should pull all Americans together to say enough is enough.
2: Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there. The man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked off. Blame the dead boy. Blame your mother. Blame society. Blame your father. Blame the gun. Blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun to break the cycle.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. As we have been talking about here on this show this evening, you cannot help but be reminded of the many thousands of people that enter our court system every day with no hope of a better outcome. As I sit here tonight, I'm saddened by a system that at one point people believed in. People believed that if you were innocent of a crime, if you stepped into a courtroom, justice would prevail. As a little kid, you believed that. As your parents told you and advised you to stay out of trouble, do the right thing, obey authority, do all these things that we're taught as children. Only years later, to run into an act of injustice that to me signifies the definition of cruelty. We deal with that issue tonight. Willie P., William Williams, Matthew Brown, Eric Jenkins have been a casualty of this system. It is our responsibility as advocates to call out such behavior. Right now, we're going to bring Ashley Brown in. She is the wife of Matthew Brown, one of the gentlemen I just named. Um, Ashley, thanks for joining us tonight and being a part of this show.
11: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Um, It has to be disheartening. I don't know, however you grew up, you believed, I think everybody believed in a uh, a decent system because most people are not caught up in it at yeah. least until something like this happens. Um, Matthew is a someone I know personally. Uh, good-hearted man. Um, didn't deserve what happened to him. Give us your thoughts of what happened What has been the impact of this, your thoughts, your heart, your emotions from day one?
11: So I would say the biggest thing to me is Matt can be friends with anybody. I mean, you know, you meet him for the first time, he's immediately your friend. Um, And that's how him and Nick were. Um, They were friends.
1: You're talking about Mr. Gaynor?
11: Yes. Yeah, they were friends. I mean, they would go play basketball together. They went to basketball games together. These men were friends. Mm -hmm. So I have pretty much been very angry the whole time. It hasn't been um, a ton of sadness, but my emotions have been anger just with the system. Um, You know, somebody that you called a friend that could stand up and testify about you. Um, and say all of these lies about you, that's the worst part to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this guy that you're going to basketball games with, you're befriending him. It's my understanding that Mr. Brown went as far as to present a vehicle um, when the Gainers had no way of transportation, And ladies and gentlemen, I need you to hear this as clear as you hear anything on this show. Surprised him? Yes. Uh, I do. And I actually saw the video. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be playing that probably in the next um, couple of weeks on the air. Um, If not tonight, a little later in this program. We're, We're against the clock a little bit. But how that vehicle was presented to him. An act of kindness. Yes. The saying goes, no good deed goes unpunished. This is the epitome of that.
11: Yeah. And the thing is, Lamont, is these people had nothing. That's the thing that gets me. They had nothing, but they were given everything. And to turn around and lie and do what they did, it, it, it makes me furious. It makes me... Furious. And then reliving this tonight, hearing all this stuff all over again, it just gets me angry and hyped up all over again.
1: Yes. Um, you grew up believing in the system?
11: For the most part, yeah. I mean I think I think you do until you see otherwise.
1: So it came to your front door and how have you guys been coping with it?
11: Um, there's been, you know, ups and downs. It can be Um, somewhat stressful, you know, whenever you know that court dates are coming up, I think the sentencing part um, or, or, you know, hearing what the verdict was, that was probably one of the most uh, stressful times um, because you sit there and you wait and you wait and your future is kind of held in the hands of these people that you, as you stated, you know, it's the whole system set up. So they very well can come back with a guilty verdict and just kind of weighing in the balance and waiting for that. It's very nerve wracking.
1: Sure. What is your belief of the system now? (laughs) It sucks. So there's no belief?
11: No belief. Um, Even to the point to where if I was to be called to be on a jury, I would sabotage that because the fact is, is you could tell me that they were guilty and even maybe even have evidence that they are guilty, I probably still wouldn't believe it. I would think it was rigged somehow.
1: Mm. Good point. Well, there's a point to
2: be made here uh, when Ashley's talking about
1: her view of the system.
2: Uh, This has happened. People try to say people that the media and they see stories like George Floyd more often than not, if people's personal experience with the system that has them, believing the way they believe, and you're not going to change what people have actually experienced. You can talk to your blue in the face and try to present the system in some sort of positive light, but when you've been negatively affected by the system, and the system has hurt you, and you've seen the corruption and felt the sting of it, you're just not going to believe in the system. So everybody's complaining, with well, these institutions, they want everybody to believe into these institutions of government. But the institution of of government hasn't earned. Actually, they've destroyed trust with the American uh, citizens. Uh, Ashley, she didn't go through it personally, in a way she did. But but Matt, her husband, went through this process, and she witnessed it. Now you got somebody else. You try to and you try to convince them, as you say on TV, well, uh, everybody, uh, the system got it right, or the jury, well, the jury didn't get it right. It's obvious the jury didn't get it right. So you can't uh, just leave one part of the system and say, well, this is bad. Well, the whole, th- the whole temple needs to be torn down because the whole thing is corrupt to some extent. It's just, it's just the way it is. Those are the facts. This is what happened. And don't expect people to just uh, have the system and these corrupt actors uh, bring the hammer down on them unjustly and then expect them to just try to go on with their lives and just trust the system. Word-of-mouth travels, so anybody closely associated with these people, you got word-of-mouth advertising, one of the most powerful type of advertising uh, ever. When people start talking about the system, it spreads, and, and, and you got broad distrust in this country for, for not only the justice system but with many of the institutions in this country.
1: Well, absolutely right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I believe we've located that uh, video with the car being presented to them. We're going to take a quick break, try to get that queued up. Uh, on the other side of the break, Miss, Miss Brown, thank you so much for joining us. Stay with us. I'm going to have your thoughts after we get this clip played. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is reality. If you thought you you, you tune into a show tonight that's uh, some type of Hollywood production, I can assure you it is not. This is real TV. This is real life. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
6: Black History Month is huge.
1: It's a way for us to
5: reconnect with our history.
17: Continue to celebrate and acknowledge the immense amount of contributions that Black people have made. Black History Month is a celebration of culture.
4: Another opportunity for everyone to remember that we're all human. And to have a month that reminds people that Black history is American history. More
16: than
6: just having names and numbers and dates that are in a book. To remember how important
4: it is to be black. I think that the important Black History Month is that if you don't know where you came from, you're not going to be prepared for where you're going.
0: We all stand on the shoulders of somebody else. If I stand tall,
6: it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of those who came before me.
0: Black History.
6: More than a month. There are no loose ends in TV procedural dramas. At the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world is a lot more complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes even though they were innocent. In fact, in nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleadproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us, in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system. Thank you. Odds of becoming an astronaut, one in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, one in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, one in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, one in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator. One in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game. One in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving. One in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting. One in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime. One in two men. One in three women.
10: It's up to us
6: to change the odds for our generation.
10: For the ones we love. For our future.
6: If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. As we have, I'll tell you what, folks, this information is informative, uh, to say the least. Of what's going on within our criminal justice system, and again, I removed justice from that uh, title from our system uh, that has done some wrong things. We joining us tonight is is Miss Brown, Ashley Brown, uh, her husband, one of the uh, casualties, if you if you will, of injustice, Matthew Brown, talking about the relationship that uh, uh, Mr. Gaynor had uh, with Matt, and and you know they're going to different events and outing events makes the dagger stick a little bit more uh, when you hear uh, the actions of Mr. Gaynor. We do have the clip uh, of him being presented with the car, uh, uh, Ashley, uh, from your husband. yeah Who, who did a kindness yeah. to him. Let's go ahead and play the clip. Hey,
8: um, go ahead and keep this. <laughs> Yeah, that's you. Get out
15: of here, man. I'm for real. Get out of here, bro. Get out of here, man. Get out of
8: here, man. Yeah, man, that's you. Oh, man, all right. Yeah, matter of fact, put all the keys at. Yeah, I got another set of keys. Yeah, that's you, man. Get out of here, man. Yeah, that's why I didn't need no help driving. I just wanted you to take it home. Really? Yeah, that's you, for real. This ain't no. No video game, this is for
15: real.
8: For real, bruh. Yeah. Man, they go up, bro. <laughs> get out of
15: here, bro. Yeah, bro. But
8: it ain't me, though, man. It's Miss Rose, bro. Yeah. It's Miss Rose, man. Pounds, I'm telling you. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much. So that's that. you. Know, so, man. I mean, cause I know you was just whipping it, and you didn't really pay no attention to it, but, I mean, you know four-door, you know, same for the fam in there. You're like 40 miles to the gallon. You got the six-foot kid to go in here now, bro. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah, that's you. Alright. am Yeah, bro. Man. Yeah, man. Man, that's a blessing, bro. I'm going to drive right now. All right. Come <laughs> <All right, dude>. on, <laughs> That wasn't yeah, good, I'm telling you.
15: Yeah. I
8: mean, y'all need it. You know what I'm saying? And it ain't like, and whatever issues you might run into with it, let me know. I got you. i fix it. You know what I'm saying? We just put fresh, fresh tires on there. Um, a little motor mount joint. So it's like with, with the window, I was going to get that part today. It was the wrong part. So I'm gonna get that squared away for you. But other than that, it's right. It don't need nothing. You got, um, We just come from free oil change, and the next one is half off. So, all you gotta do is put insurance on it. I said everything else is good. All right,
15: man. Yeah, I gotta sit on the phone.
1: there you have it, an act of kindness beyond words. What you just heard here was Matthew Brown. Ashley, when you hear that, what does that do to you? So,
11: it makes me sick. And I mean, I associate, again, my feelings with severe anger because what the audience couldn't see is the video. You know, and what was taking place in the video is Mr. Gaynor jumping up and down so excited, you know, about the kindness that was shown to him. Now, mind you, not only was there money, you know, to buy the car, but there was time and effort put in to make this car um, safe and suitable for Mr. Gaynor's family.
1: Well, you heard Matt say, you need this. This is for you. He he referenced, he said, This isn't me. Let me make one point very clear. This is Pastor Rose Banks in Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. The very people in whom you had lied on. The very people that you sat down at a table and had dinner with. Matthew Brown You would have thought the car was for him. But nobody tells that story. They had a car that was not worth anything. They said, what we'll do, Pastor Rosebeck, Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, said we will go beyond the call of kindness because a family here is in need. So when you... Hear from people. You hear from a corrupt cop. These are the facts. Who does this? If we wanted to harm Mr. Gaynor, do we give him a car for his family? Does it happen? I will tell you right now, these are the facts. We said that last week. When I hear that, the kindness shown to this family, and to hear and to walk into a courtroom, To see this same man who celebrated on the parking lot. Man, I got to make a call. Man, I need to say thank you. Sit on a stand and stab the people that did the most for you. Is injustice. It is cruel. These are the facts. What you just heard doesn't happen, but it happened here. So when you go online and you read all this nonsense, all oh, these guys went up here and did this, and, and Mr. Gainer claimed an assault, Did the assault happened before or after you received a new car. When? That sounds like a man who has a problem with kindness. But you went into a courtroom. And the very people, the very church, Colorado Springs Fellowship, namely Pastor Rose Bay, said we will reach out in
15: kindness
1: where there's a need. Reputation of Colorado Springs Fellowship For 44 years Has done this These are the facts This is The truth
7: Samson, Just listening to the, the story From this week and from last week I mean you hear unparalleled Levels of love for this family They were moved out of an apartment that had Literally mold growing on the walls They didn't have the level of clothing, you know, the nice clothing and everything like that, that that was provided for them. I mean, when we just hear about a vehicle where you know the church came together, led by the pastor, to provide a vehicle, Matt probably, you know, I know he put in time, sweat, blood, whatever he had to, to make sure that that was working for that family, and have for him to have to sit there and basically take a slap in the face for day after day. After day, while Nick and his family were up there lying on the stand, because if you were there in the courtroom for 30 minutes and watched his testimony, he would not look anybody in there in the eye. How could you? He was looking off in some direction so he could get that lie out of his throat. But the fact of the matter is, he's going to have to live with it for the rest of his life, knowing that he is a liar, that he used a corrupt system to steal from the people that pulled him up out of the gutter and then. Detective Corrado, God only helped that man that what's coming down the pipeline for him because he is the facilitator of all this. He covered their tracks. He encouraged them and coached them how to steal this money from a church that's done nothing but good in this community for four decades.
1: Well, I'll say this to Detective Corrado. Had you made a phone call, you'd anyone that sees that video knows without a shadow of a doubt. It is not what they portrayed it to be. Not even close. A jury should have been able to see that video. I guarantee you a juror that sees that? But Miss Judge Aaron Soko is too busy playing politics with a federal judge. Christina Aguayo pushing the buttons and using her as a puppet. She was about to see that. But the facts, the truth, is what you just heard. And one final note.
2: Yes, that people, I don't want people to get the Colorado Springs Police Department, the El Paso County DA's office, they were all aware of these facts. Yet, they still manufactured and proceeded with a with a malicious prosecution with these facts in hand. It's it's just unconscionable, and people think, but they're quick to believe because you wear a badge or you put on a black robe that you have integrity. That is simply not the case these people are as human as anybody else they chose to do this in light of all of these facts that is the facts of this system
1: absolutely right and i want to say um we have other people that will appear we will have a uh, we won't have a live show next week but the following week we will pick this up um this is some serious information uh as you sit here and 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 and, and miss brown thank you so much for having the courage to speak out you don't have to speak to the character of matthew brown i just saw it i just heard it as i sit here tonight and as i miss brown observe your emotion You can't believe that someone would do such a thing. And in my mind, I go down to Matt. um, Remember his name, Matthew Brown. Going together, playing basketball, uh, going to games, going out to eat and to pull up on a cold day with a car. Says, man, hold on. I got the keys. I don't need them. It is a tragedy. It is tragic. And you would expect the system, someone in the system, to do the right thing. They will not. We're going to take a quick break. This is AJC Radio. We have three callers, two callers in queue. We'll take those calls very quickly. The break will be very quick. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Take a moment. And to Matthew Brown, to Willie P, William Williams, Eric Jenkins, we salute you. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
15: Black History Month is a month of celebration, uh, a month of of, how far we've come, Uh, our past, our people of today, uh, just a celebration of all black culture. The opportunities that we have today would not exist without the sacrifices uh, of those before us. They really paved the way for us. The things that really matter during the month is just to continue to push forward make sure we continue honoring those thoughts and you know those individuals
1: back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. I cannot express to you the emotion I feel at this moment.
10: Dave, where are you on this? When you see all the love that was given to this family... Breaks your heart to see what happened. You see the lives of four men that are crushed, that you see these men that were doing good, and then a corrupt cop, a, uh, um, a corrupt judge, a corrupt prosecutor come after them on a crime that was never committed. There was no crime committed. They were arrested. They were convicted. They were convicted because the jurors look and see they must have done something. We know that. We've seen that. We've seen that in the news all the time. You see the number of times that African-Americans have called the police and the police have killed somebody that they, that they, they were the ones that called the police. So you see that this system, there is no justice in this system. This system is corrupt. This system is destroying people's lives. Kendrick, um, when you hear the tape of
1: Matt giving that car away, what emotions come through you with that one?
13: It just angers me because it's like, man, you know, but a scam artist, you're a joke. You know what I'm saying? As long as someone is, is giving to you, you take, 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 take. It never crossed your mind. These people give me a car. Let me just, hey, let's. If if I want to go my separate ways now, let's just go my separate ways. But to steal everything that that you could, and not only that, to then testify lies about what happened to people that did good to you. You know, justice, justice. If it if it had its way. It would be a very uh, bad income for Mr. Gainer, but this system is so—I mean, you can't—you can't trust in a system that is so like wishy-washy, imbalanced. Because justice happens to be whoever is in the hand of who's accusing you or who's prosecuting you. It has nothing to do with that lying statement that we're a nation governed by laws. That's not true.
1: No, it isn't. It isn't true. And, and let me be clear on something. When we talk about justice being meted out to people who do such things, let me be very clear. That justice is meted out with is what they call karma. Uh, they call you reap what you sow. It is no action taken by any of the individuals involved in this type of injustice. That's not what we're talking about. Let me be clear. When I was a little kid in school, they told me, do good things to people because good comes back. You do bad things to people, bad things come back. It has nothing to do with an individual. Um, it is saddening to me. It is the most sad story as I went, as we went through this tonight, folks. Um, Clint, your thoughts really quick um, on what you heard with the car. uh how did that make you feel? Maybe it made me feel
0: really sad. Uh, but you can see the individual is corrupt. But when you look at the system. To endorse the, it. To endorse it and, 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 and don't even investigate to see and to actually support him. Yep. Now, you can see the individual because you say they're criminals in society. But the system, the court system,
1: the police department,
0: why didn't you investigate to clear this matter up and then throw it out of court?
1: William, closing thoughts, please. You know, the the thing that really bothers me about all this is that regardless of the evidence that you have, regardless – and you beat on your chest and say I'm
4: innocent. This judicial system controls the narrative. You see – you watch the prosecution. You watch the judge play hand-in-hand, hand, and they lead the jury in the direction that they want to go. I mean we saw it. We lived it. We, li- we saw it with you guys, with IRP-5. Evidence is in hand. And that's
1: why people and, and, and so when you have evidence in hand and the outcome is is
0: is, is what it is, you have no faith. You say, Well what, what else do I have to prove?
1: What else do I have to bring to say I'm innocent?
4: I mean we've heard stories of cases where guys were accused, they weren't even there.
8: They were someplace else. And they were convicted.
1: And we're gonna, and, and William, we're gonna get to that as this thing continues to unfold here. Uh, very special thanks to Attorney uh, Gwen Lawson, uh, who saw up close and personal uh, this type of conduct in a, in a court of law has to be disheartening. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. To our callers that called in tonight, uh, we ran out of time tonight as this show has unfolded as it has. Please, I. I uh, Encourage you to call back in two weeks. Next week again, we will not have a live show. We'll have a pre-recorded show talking about this very issue. The following week, we will continue uh, this journey uh, on our series dealing with the system that is corrupt uh, and that has lost her way. Uh, we'll be running this series uh, indefinitely for quite some time, uh, exposing, of course, the conduct of Detective Carrado uh, and and uh, uh, Judge Sokol. Uh, And many other players will be brought into this conversation. Uh, We have a lot to cover, and we intend to do just that. So next time, America, take care of yourself and each other. This is AJC Radio. Good night.